And welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one definitive page of Talmud every day. And in today's Dapim, Moed Katan 4 and 5, we come across something that at first blush is completely baffling. It's kind of a difficult concept and something that you never thought that you would see. Uh, and, and here it is. I'll read it first in the Hebrew. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Rabban Gamliel Uvet Dino, Medeoraita, Batul Lahu. Gemara previously cited Rabbi Yitzchak, who explained how Rabban Gamliel's court nullified the extension to the prohibition against plowing before the sabbatical year that had been enacted by Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel. The Gemara now cites another opinion, which holds that Rabban Gamliel's court abolished the prohibition against plowing before the sabbatical year entirely. And Rabban Yochanan said that Rabban Gamliel and his court nullified the restriction on working the land on the eve of the sabbatical year based on the source written in the Torah. The idea here that Rabban Gamliel and his court would be able to nullify something that was given to Moses in Sinai is really difficult. And so difficult, in fact, that today we are calling in the heavy guns. We have the pleasure with us, and this will be a lengthy introduction because this is a particular pleasure for me. We have the pleasure of having with us Rabbi Meni Evan Israel, the executive director of the Steintel Center in Yerushalayim. And, and listen, if you're studying along with us, uh, it is very, 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 very likely that you're doing so out of a Talmud translated, elucidated, and made accessible by the great late Rabbi Adin Steinzels Evan Israel. Uh, this is an unbelievable enterprise. The idea that the Talmud that for too long uh, has been really just the domain of a few of us who are fortunate enough to have a yeshivish education and learn you know, the, the Hebrew and the Aramaic and, and understand how to read this very particular page. The Steinsel Center is making all that accessible to us, all that opening all these doors of wisdom and inspiration and our gratitude and debt to them uh, are both boundless. So Rabbi Evan Israel, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you so much, and it's an absolute true pleasure to be uh, on your show, the podcast, and uh, really, it's a great pleasure, and I think the idea of letting Dafyomi is one of those fascinating uh, modern concepts that everybody can tap into, especially with the help of, of you and, and others who literally give this uh, the snippets and giving people the ability to really view it properly and have at least some basic idea or even some advanced idea of what we're facing on a daily basis. Speaking of, of what we're facing, uh, you know, again, I, I, I saved you for, for, for the most tough kind of, you know, difficult uh, concept because here we are, in the, and it seems at first blush, like the Talmud is telling us that Rabban Gamliel basically just canceled what Moses taught. Could that be? So, obviously, like anything else in Judaism, we have at least three different answers. <laughs> you know, it's otherwise will not be as, as simple. Yes, the, the, all, the basic, basic answer, which is not being canceled or changed by anybody else, is, yeah, Rabban Gamiel took the authoritative perspective as the head of the generation and assessing the situation around him, and he made a decision that overruled uh, all the court and overruled uh, a rabbinical learning 
that he he learned differently. That's option number one, or he basically reconfigured the original text. It's definitely one of the most fascinating texts in the entire Talmud, because one of the things we're always talking about, and, and this is something that is, I think, very, um, very, uh, very important for everybody in every generation, is the ability that the local rabbis, the local leadership, have the right, have the ability to change the past. They have the ability to move forward with things. And what Rabban Gamil does is, Rabban Gamil said, look, the way I read the law is that the law is based on the concepts of the temple. So the reason, the reason Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai, the previous people, argued this point, if you're allowed or when you're allowed to do the plowing before the seventh year, they, are, they were using a reference that brought into the reference the temple. They read it from um, <clears throat> which is uh, the pouring of water. On the temp, on the on the altar, and on in Sukkot, as we know, we we we're doing it for the entire Sukkot, and we're finishing by by Yoshana Rabba. And Rabban Gamliel says, "I'm because I feel that Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai both associated their concept of plowing and when you're allowed to plow, what you're allowed to plow before the seventh year, based on a linkage between their." quote, and the Bible quote on on the temple, hence, once we don't have a temple, this is no longer applicable. So that, that is the logical, you know, one plus one equal two. I remove the reason behind what you do, the reasoning why we have done it, and now I say, look, this is over, it's finished. There is, what, of course, the result of this is that if that is the case, how many other things are like that? How many other things that we did because of the temple or because of the situation around us have changed and can now be possibly going back to where it was originally? So obviously, you need to be like a Bangamil to do things like this. You need to have, be, you need to have um, tremendous amount of power, tremendous amount of respect also. Part of the challenge of, of leadership is the ability that people challenge it all the time. That's within their leaders. And Abraham has had the, the, the power to actually do this. To actually look back and say, let us revisit these arguments and let us open them up again. Yeah, I think, I think basically that's what he does with the, right, with the right perspective. I don't think he meant to come and nullify everything possible around him. I don't think that was his intention. The intention was to reopen was not to reopen every law that we have. That definitely was not his goal. In this particular case, he's basically saying, "Look, Shemitah already has been secondary because there's no temple around." He's already saying that. He's already suggesting that by by definition. And then he said, "Look, whatever you learn, you learn from this particular pasuk, this particular verse." Let me not read it through this because it's negating the temple or the fact we don't have a temple is strong enough to say, ah, well, let's think about it differently. I found it that in in many ways, the courage of Bangam Neal shows um, and his court showed was outstanding. On the other side, they were really fairly recently after the destruction of the temple that 
a lot of the 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 concept, the halacha, the way we perceive things today, and we think they were there like this in the beginning, a lot of those issues were decided and defined in that period, that historical period of time. What, what is fascinating, of course, is that the fact that this thing is, is a hilfata, the thing that is people that, you know, that um, even it was maybe halachal and Moshe Misenai, he's willing to say, look, I can read it differently, and then for logically, I can make these steps to change the law. Again, as far as I know, there's no other occurrence of this in this kind of language. There are language that other places are saying, look, there's no longer this particular law doesn't apply. There's no longer, you know, this avoda zara was nullified, for example. Right. So we cannot even imagine, you know, we know that, you know, when we, the very famous story in, in, in Tractate Sanhedrin dealing with uh, King Menashe, right? So <laughs> King Menashe is, is getting annoyed. That's, that's where the story goes, that Rabiuda come to, uh, is coming to the base Midrash, and instead of referring to him, his majesty, King Menashe, king of Judah, he just referred to him as Menashe, like a very friendly right. his level. It's like, wait, dude, I am a king here. It's, you can't really talk to me the way you feel, you know, mundane and so on and so forth. So Rabiuda is starting to laugh, at, basically, in the, it's all in a dream uh, or vision. And he's like, dear king, but, you know, I learned Torah. You are idol worshiper. And Menashe is retorting to him, you don't understand, the power of Avodah Zavah, the power of idol worship in my time was so big that you, and he's referring to Rabiuda, would have taken your own son and danced with him to the Avodah Zavah. And then the Gemara goes on and explains that basically the rabbis in the, before the destruction of the Second Temple, or immediately after, they made uh, some kind of a ceremony and basically nullified or broke the Yetzirah of idol worship. So that, as an example, you know, that when you talk about idol worship or certain things that idol worship has different elements that you supposed to, they're no longer applicable because nobody does them. Because time has changed, because reality has changed. Rabban Gamil is, in a way, is much stronger than that. The reason he's nullifying it is because he's saying, look, I learned differently than you. That's really the bottom line of it. And I read differently from the Torah, and therefore I make decision. I'm the head of the community, therefore I make the decision. I think that it's very, very, um, it's part of a thing people, when people learn Masechet and all the tractates of Seder, Seder Moed, we, a lot of time we think they are easy. And some of them are easier than other tractates, clearly, no question about it. But Moed Katan specifically is not. Moed Katan specifically is much harder, especially in the beginning when he's dealing with all topics that related to, to obligations and responsibility, responsibility based, uh, based on almost Shemitah and different rules. And that is, this is amazing. It's amazing that you have Masechet Moed Katan, you would think, you know, we'll make it very quickly. We'll talk about two seconds about the, the rules of Moed and of Kola Moed. The, the regular days between the between the Yom Tov in Sukkot and Pesach, and instead of that, he's going to a really deep conversation. So again, uh, I found it fascinating and amazing and, and also very impressive the ability that we had leadership that had the courage to make a change without saying, without saying, I have to restart everything from zero. Well, Rabbi Evan Israel, 
uh, I find that deeply, deeply inspiring uh, and am very grateful that we still have leadership and we still have uh, great rabbis and great centers and great initiatives that help all of us learn and understand. And for that, I'm very grateful. One last quick question for you. Uh, what else sure. uh, is is coming from the Great Sinal Center? What what else uh, could our listeners do uh, to to interact with you and and learn more from you? Oh, thank you. Um, so the Steinal Center, eh, we never stopped. Um, my father, my best left uh, about uh, eighty more books, seventy eighty more books that we can publish on a variety of topics from grasshoppers to the essence of the Kabbalistic uh, Ten Spheres. You name them, he wrote about it. Um, but that is, that is, you know, a regular book publishing. What we do mainly right now, as of today, we actually sent to print my father's last major commentary on Mishnah, the 13 volumes of his commentary on the Mishnah, in Hebrew for the moment, is going down to print uh, as we speak. You know, do the do the do do the COVID. It, it might have some, uh, uh, you know, some delays, but that's the main thing. And uh, I think the thing we are the most I'm most excited about is our app. The Stern Center published an app. Uh, it's still in beta, but uh, it's a daily learning app that has all our material and will have more material on on a regular basis. It's available in uh, both stores both in Apple and Google, and please download it. It's uh, great and uh, very useful. I will go download it right now, and I am very grateful to you for being our guest and for all the holy work that you do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Truly appreciate it. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Studios. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz, and our producers are Josh Cross, Sarah Fredman-Ader, and Robert Scarmuccia, with help from Quinn Waller. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeonedafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic and we'll see you again soon. <laughs>